0: Welcome to Greatness, where the world's leading thinkers share their ideas about how to create greatness. Great leaders, great teams, and great organizations. Why be good when you can be great? This is Gretchen Gagel. And I am so excited today to welcome Karen Gately, the founder of Corporate Dojo, to the Greatness Podcast. Welcome, Karen. Thank you for having me. So Karen and I had the amazing good fortune. I was just sitting here thinking, gosh, who introduced me to Karen? So many different people have introduced me to the brightest people here in Australia, and I don't remember who introduced us, but it's been wonderful to get to know you. And, And I specifically... Invited you on to greatness because I have such respect for your passion for what you do and your approach. So talk to us a little bit about your personal journey and how it led you to where you are today.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And for the record, I can't recall either. So apologies to (laughs) whoever that great person was that connected us. I'm sure we'll go off and try and work that out after this. Um, But look, you know, how I've ended up here, I guess the story begins with the martial arts. You know, I started training in karate when I was five years old and spent a lot of years in that world teaching, training, competing. And as an adult, then went into the world of work and started to observe some really clear Links between what I learned as a martial artist and, and what I taught as a sensei and what I've observed really making a difference in the world. Of business, so you know my professional career has been predominantly around um, HR. I was an HR director in the Asia Pacific region for the Vanguard Group for eight years, and um, then following that, decided to get out there and start my own business and start to help organisations more directly around great leadership. You know, leading to to great organisational outcomes.
0: I love that you use that word, great. My, my company, Greatness Consulting, and uh, the Greatness Podcast really actually came from Reading Good to Great by Jim Collins years yeah. ago and, and thinking, wow, great. What, what, a, what an awesome word just to yes. aspire to be a great leader or a great organization. So, yeah, absolutely. so what was that vision when you started your company like of how you were taking this martial arts background into leader and organizational
1: development? I'd actually say at the start of the business, it was unconscious. You know, I started the business under the the name of Ryan Gately. Um, It was very much an outsourced HR department. All I knew was there was a lot of businesses that didn't have access to um, strategic HR advice or advice when things were going wrong and that I could make that service available. And then, you know, as that business grew and evolved, it just became clearer and clearer to me that there were those – that I was unconsciously, I guess, drawing those links and focusing on the same core principles of effective leadership. And then the Corporate Dojo name came about – it was actually the title of my first book – and you know, like we often experience, I went out there and hired a, a marketing agency to help me to rebrand the business to, to come up with a name that said more about, you know, what we actually do and these core principles that we bring. And, um, yeah, the, the outcome of that not inexpensive project was them telling me I should call the business the same thing as the book. And you know in that moment, it just became really clear to my whole team and I that that was a logical thing that unfortunately we hadn't seen for ourselves because it really does um, sum up our view that in order for a leader to be effective at inspiring and influencing the success of other human beings, their character matters. It's not just about their capabilities. Mm. Clearly, there's many leadership capabilities that are fundamental um, to to success, but you know that ability to to work on our character and to be the best possible version of ourselves in order to influence greatness in other people was really what we wanted to uh, make super clear in you know our branding, in our offer, in everything that we do.
0: Mm. I love those those moments of. Epiphany, you know oh you know this is this is what the name should be and and when you you just mentioned the word journey and that's one thing'm I'm, I'm teaching at ANu again right now um, pre-experienced postgrads in leadership and leading change. And one thing I try to stress to people is that leadership is a journey. It's not like you get to some destination. It's about huh. um, showing up as the best version of yourself and then another best version of yourself and another best version. And that's what I think is fun about leadership is, you know, that whole journey of, um, of self-improvement. So as you were writing that book, how, what, what principles emerged? How would you describe your framework and philosophy around leadership?
1: Well I'd say that where it starts is is the recognition that our talent only adds value when we apply it effectively Mm. and how well we apply our talents comes down to our mindsets, our emotions and our behaviours. And so, you know, for me, it's crucial that leaders actually start by developing self-awareness and really understanding how do I think, how do I feel, what is the link between my emotion and my behaviour and then what's the flow on consequence and impact to the people that I'm striving to inspire and influence and you know that that in of itself can actually take a great deal of courage so again much like the the martial arts that journey of self mastery starts with self awareness and honesty and sometimes we need emotional courage to be that real with ourselves about what we're needing to be better at or continue to grow around and then it comes down to real ownership you know in the martial arts Um, there is a baseline expectation that you take ownership for yourself. You take ownership for your own learning, your growth. You ask for what you need. You know, you stick to the commitments that you've made to yourself Starting by, for example, turning up to training consistently, you know, just showing up regardless of how in the mood or otherwise you are to train tonight, you know, is just one of the examples of where we develop that discipline around self-commitment and follow through on our promises. So that whole piece around, you know, having personal accountability, taking ownership um, is fundamental, And then, you know, it's also then about the extent to which we're able to bring integrity to our role. You know, being an honourable person is entirely more likely to inspire other people to want to follow your path. So, you know, those are, you know, some of the, the examples of the character traits and the, the personal mindsets and capabilities that we focus on with leaders, um, so that you know other people do actually choose to follow.
0: Mm. And it is a choice to follow. You can't force someone. I've you know I've said people don't follow; they don't trust people. They don't trust that people they don't think care about them. And your point about emotions and self awareness. I'm pretty open with the fact that I rehired my emotional intelligence coach in April of uh, 2020. um, Mm -hmm. When the pandemic, when I saw that there, this wasn't going to be over quickly, and and I needed to even double down on my emotional self awareness, I'm still Mm -hmm. working with him, which is, you know, part of your point about being self aware, and, um, you know, being disciplined and taking ownership for it How Oh, so that that was my tra- tactic is to reach out to Brent Darnell and say, "Hey, <laughs> you know, yeah. I uh, can we can we work together as my emotional intelligence coach?" But what other ways do you see that that leaders are effectively creating that that self-awareness?
1: I think you know, there's obviously tools like engaging coaches which obviously I think is um, a great approach to take but I think there's also some personal reflection habits that we can also get into as a, as a starting point. So just having a curiosity, a sincere curiosity about who am I, how do I think and how do people perceive me is a really important starting point. Now it's far easier said than done um, if we're not accustomed to it but we then need to actually hold up the mirror of truth and be willing. to to look into it. And that can be through, obviously, getting feedback directly from our people. It can be getting feedback from our peers, our boss, our mentors. Um, But it's actually being a seeker of the truth and then having that courage to to face it. So, you know, typically what I'll say to leaders is, you know, there's no point going from where you are today to striving to be the perfect version of yourself tomorrow. You know, I just think we set ourselves up to fail. It's about really starting to break down, you know, know, what aspects of my character serve me well mm. and what aspects of my character are potentially standing in the way of me having optimal impact and then really choosing one aspect of your character that makes the most sense to, to invest in and then what's the best way to develop that. So you might recognise that if I had greater courage in having difficult conversations, for example, um, that would make a big difference to my ability to, to face and confront complex things in my leadership role um, So then how do I actually build that courage? Well, one of those things is obviously get ourselves educated on some tools and strategies, but then also actually practice that, you know, recognize that if I would need to get good at conversations I'm uncomfortable with, then best I have a whole bunch of conversations that I'm not comfortable with. You know so again that's an example of where we have to start to really um, step past fear to go into places that we're uncomfortable with so that we can actually explore how we get better at that and ultimately master those those skills. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, around all of that, there's also a whole bunch of assessment tools. You know, there's 360 assessments, there's character profiling, there's all sorts of psychometric tools that, again, can can give us clues, can give us guidance on, on what's working, what's not working and how to grow. That feedback loop is so
0: important. I don't know, um, you know, I just celebrated my 35-year anniversary of working and I uh, went directly into management out of engineering school, running manufacturing plants and Oh, gosh, I want to say 20 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, maybe even longer, 25 years ago, I started having everyone who reports directly to me anonymously assess me twice a year on things that we agreed upon. So, for example, when I moved to Melbourne to um, take over a position with Conversant, I sat down with the team and I said, what? What does the organization need for me to be successful? What do you need for me to be successful? Kind of a servant leader type approach. And then mm-hmm. three months later, I had them anonymously review how I was doing on those factors. Mm-hmm. And um, because I feel as leaders, we have blind spots. We have things that we don't absolutely. realize we're doing. And getting that, that feedback is absolutely critical.
1: Absolutely it is. I read some great research around this. I think it was Tasha Ulrich um, and she said that, it's. please don't quote these numbers, but something along the lines of if you survey people, um, 95% or maybe 90% of us say that we're actually self-aware and the truth is about 10% of us are, (laughs) you know, based on um, her assessment criteria of what it means to be self-aware. So chances are that, that we do have blind spots. You know, there, there's certain things that we choose to look past and there's certain things that we don't realise we need to look into to to understand more about. So, I think what I love about your strategy is, you know, allowing the team to give that feedback anonymously is key because then we can start to get rid of some of those barriers or fears that, you know, people reasonably have in giving the boss feedback Um, And then we've actually got to demonstrate to them that we're doing something with that, Mm. that we're not just paying lip service to the process. And obviously, this is not about necessarily just doing as you're told and responding to every, you know, pandering to every need that your team want. But it's just about being real, as you pointed out, in there is a role you need to play. There is a role they need you to play. And being willing to honestly look at is that actually happening in their mind is key, You know, and then avoiding all of the excuses in our head that says, for example, oh, well, they don't know, they don't understand everything or they don't understand all the pressure I'm under and, you know, all of those deflect and blame kind of strategies are just barriers to facing the truth and and growing.
0: Yeah, I I agree. If you ask and you don't do anything about it, it's worse than if you had never asked. That's right. (laughs) I sit down with a team and I say, okay, Let me understand this. This is one thing I picked up. So I try and pick one thing. And one year it was uh, that I didn't um, I didn't give enough detail when I assigned a project. I just was in too much of a hurry. I'd say, hey, could you go do this? And then somebody would do something and then it wasn't what I wanted. And so we'd have to do it again. And they were frustrated and I was frustrated. And so I really tried to work on it, I came up with a strategy, I shared that with the team. And then six months later, I say, you know, how am I doing? And yes. one of my good friends, who's a, a CEO here in Australia, uh, for Asia Pacific company, she actually empowered one of her senior leaders to give her feedback after meetings, she was working on one specific thing, and empowered yeah. one of her senior leaders, she'd walk out of the meeting and say, how did I do on that? And I yeah. think that it role models learning and development that you're dedicated to being a better version of yourself and you expect other people to do that
1: as well. That's right and then I would say critically it's how we respond you know so we can um, say to somebody give me feedback but again are we emotionally intelligent in our response to that you know the first time you get defensive or get a bit grumpy because somebody chose to be really truthful with you um you know, that's the last time they're actually going to choose to volunteer that so you know what I hear in that story around your friend as well is just that maturity then to genuinely hear it and genuinely accept whatever that feedback is as opposed to just you know asking for the feedback because we're really just trying to drum up some compliments for ourselves Mm -hmm. you know it's actually about um, the warts and all insight that people have that is where the gold is if we're able to hear it take it on board and as we said at the start have that emotional courage to to work with it.
0: Yeah. You you talked about practicing tools also. And um I'm of an age now that spending time with people developing things that don't actually get used is is not very gratifying. Yeah. I'm not fun. sure how much longer I have on the earth, but I know every day I have one day less and I want to be making, you know, a measurable, sustainable impact. And I, I say to my potential clients, you know, I'm the trainer at the gym. I cannot lift the weights for you. You you all need to be dedicated to putting these things into practice. So what are some of the tips that you offer up to people on how we really do put tools into practice?
1: I think it starts with, again, as I said earlier, knowing exactly what I'm trying to develop. So if it is around courage or if it is around the ability to talk about tough things, then I need to proactively look for the opportunities to practice that. Now that might be by putting our hands up to, you know, participate in or take ownership for a particular project. You know, so if I'm, for example, a, a middle manager and I really need to... Get more experience around um, stakeholder engagement and influencing outcomes in the business and having the courage to do that, and stepping into that senior role, then there might be a project I can put my hand up for that allows me to participate in that and give it a go. And then, you know, I do think there's a lot of wisdom in um, tapping into a coach or a mentor or somebody else that can understand what those. Um, learning objectives are and can be part of the team that helps you to hold yourself accountable to actually stepping in and getting some of those um, experiences under your belt so so you can learn from them. And, you know, then I think it's about also finding other peers who are going through the same learning journeys, if you like, and proactively reaching out and communicating with them about how they do it, what are some of the lessons they've learned, you know, so I think again, when we are seeking that wisdom, we're more likely to see the opportunities to to try it when the opportunity comes up mm-hmm. The reason I
0: originally connected with Brent Darnell, the emotional intelligence coach I mentioned i when I became president of a company, the five partners had a had a um, Training budget, and nobody spent their training budget. I was president, and so I said, "Great, I am hiring an emotional intelligence coach for all of us," and he's coming to our retreat. And um, it was really fun. I am an experiential learner; I wanted to learn about emotional intelligence. This was several years ago, but we developed accountability buddies um, to our yeah. emotional intelligence development plans, and it really was a helpful um, a helpful way to be held accountable to to change.
1: Love that, love that so much, right? Because then, again, when it takes me straight back to the martial arts is one of the other philosophies that we have. Is that as sensei, we can learn from our students, mm-hmm. you know. So even for that buddy, you know, they may have a different emotional intelligence priority, if you like, um, but but they're also still likely to learn from your experiences. So again, I mean that's an example of how we start to create a strong learning culture, mm. where we we're all on this journey. You know, none of us is perfect. I often ask workshops full of people, you know, put up your hand if you're perfect, and um, we haven't had anyone fully claim that. I had one person say that they were awfully close, but they were <laughs> they were joking to give you comfort. You know, we we most of us, unless obviously um, we have you know, narcissistic tendencies, most of us recognise that we're not perfect. So if we can make learning and that continuous journey of self-mastery and leadership mastery just part of what we do and that's just, you know, something we will always do as a leadership team, then, again, people are more likely to proactively take ownership and look for those learning opportunities for themselves. So, you know, again, when we can get a whole team to, to link arms like that and to support one another and to make it matter... Um, then we're more likely to get people throughout the organization to adopt the same mm-hmm. attitude and approach to learning. Yeah. So great leaders,
0: great leadership. Edgar Schein always uh, corrects me and says it's not about leaders, it's about leadership, it's an action, it's not a person. Um, yeah. And I do believe that. So, but when you think about the characteristics of leadership, the straight, the, the traits, the skills, the behaviors, what are the things that really pop to your mind about people that you admire in their ability to um, to lead?
1: I think the, the first thing that comes to my mind is in fact tough love. You know, it's that that skill of remaining respectful of being calm and compassionate and kind, but strong at the same time. You know, all of the great leaders I've ever met have been people who, who lead with an integration of their head and their heart where they are focused on the outcome. they prepare to do this, the tough stuff. They'll have the difficult conversations. They hold themselves and other people accountable. Um, but at the same time, they are sensitive. They are compassionate. They are flexible. They understand that the world is not a black and white world, you know, and they um, – They absolutely build strength of relationships based on trust and respect where when they do make some of the tough decisions, as an example, people are happy to accept those decisions and to support them and to work with them. So I think, you know, the the biggest mistakes leaders make is actually operating at the polar ends of a spectrum between being too hard and too soft So, you know, the too hard leader, the dictator, will burn relationships, will burn people out, will, you know, um, bullying and anxiety, depression, all those kinds of things start to happen at that end of the spectrum. And then the the leader that's trying to be everybody's friend is pandering to emotion, tiptoeing around issues, failing to hold people to account. Things are too loose. There's not enough accountability. So, you know, again, I think great leaders um, are able to articulate a vision for the future that people can understand. What does that actually look like? What does it actually mean? They can guide the team to create a strategy to actually make that dream a reality. And then they're able to influence people's mindsets, emotions and behaviours to bring the full strength of their talent to to the equation or the opportunity and to get the job done. So I, I do think it's that integration of head and heart, what I call the integrated leader that um, or leadership approach that makes that big difference between being okay through to great leadership.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, I love that, the tough love. I actually was having a tough love conversation this first thing this morning at 7 o'clock yeah. um, and yeah. I think I have an, another good friend, someone I, I worked with um, many years ago, just wrote a book in the construction industry, did a podcast with him called Soft as Steel. And, yeah. um, the, you know, I spend a lot of time as an engineer in engineering and construction. And we think these these things we're talking about, self-awareness and emotions and all that, it's all squishy and whatever. But you started out talking about connecting the human spirit to the business results. And this is about business That's right. results.
1: That's right. I mean, every organization has a purpose, right? Whether it's a commercial outcome, whether it's a not-for-profit outcome, whatever it is, there is a outcome, a result that we need to achieve and we are entirely more likely to achieve that outcome and beyond when we tap into the strength of the human spirit you know when people have a strong spirit so they have you know strong reserves of energy they're optimistic they're courageous they're striving then we're more likely to tap into the full potential that their talent offers we're more likely then to create amazing outcomes rather than just ordinary outcomes so you know, again, I, I do believe that the difference between good and great is the human spirit. Mm. It's what leaders are able to, able to actually inspire people to do. You know, we've been talking about discretionary effort for a long time. Discretionary effort is fundamentally what people choose to do because they want to, you know, and if you need people to dig deep, if you need them to be engaged and committed and um, passionate and problem-solving and resilient, then you need them choosing those things, And they're only going to choose those things if they have emotional ownership in your business. You know, if they're not actually invested, then you're unlikely to get that from them. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I could talk to you
0: for hours about this topic. Um, Corporate Dojo (laughs) is the name of your book
1: also, right? Yes, that's my first book. The second book's called The People Managers Toolkit. Um, so the first one really just zeroed in on, you know, that, that link between the martial arts journey that I went on and, and leadership. And then The People Managers Toolkit, I just wanted to give a practical handbook, if you like, to leaders around what are the fundamental things like performance management, communication, managing culture, learning and development. You know, how do you do those things well so you're leveraging those tools in your toolkit to optimise the outcome.
0: Um, so as we're wrapping up, what's your final tip for I'm a listener out there, all right? I aspire to be a great leader. As I say, that's the first choice. You just don't become a leader because somebody gives you promotion, right? That's not, that's, right. that's not what becoming a great leader is about. You have to aspire to be a great leader to be to put the work in in this journey. Um, what's what's that's what's right. a tip or two that you give to a listener out there that's trying, you know, working hard at being a great leader?
1: Yeah, well, I think exactly as you've just pointed out, it's it's about choices. You know, we run a program called Be Awesome and it's all based on critical choices we need to make in order to thrive. And the first choice is, I want that. I want to thrive. So the first choice is, if you want to be a great leader, choose that and be willing to do the work that it that it takes. And then wishing, wanting, hoping, praying never created any particular outcome. It's actually the actions that that allow us to achieve that outcome. So don't just want it go make it happen, Mm -hmm. tackle it, Mm -hmm. get in the trenches, learn from experience, leverage great mentors and and recognise that your learning journey as a great leader will um, end the day you leave the planet. Yeah. (laughs) As I said, get in the gym and lift the weights. I can't lift the weights for
0: you. I can just help you understand how to do it. So that's right. Karen, such a joy um, to have you as a guest on greatness. I really appreciate you taking the time to come here and share your insights. I'm sure our listeners will enjoy not only this podcast, but reading both of your books. And I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Interested in hearing more? visit us at greatnessconsulting.com. Thank you.